Hi, welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work. I'm DC McNaughton, speculative fantasy and historical fiction writer. Right now, I'm working on a third draft, doing some nano. I'm doing some nano. I'm trying to kind of trying to keep <laughs> myself on a, on a goal uh, because I have been changing the goal for this uh, historical fiction work in progress for over a year now, and I'm pretty much done working on it. So I'm getting Yay. through that. <laughs> and as far as reading, I am just uh, reading a lot of random uh research material mm-hmm. <laughs> and nothing very exciting i have to pick apart all the little details at this point so <laughs> that's what i'm stuck <laughs> with i don't want to write something that doesn't make any sense so i'm trying to read <laughs> well that's not in the nano spirit <laughs> writing something that makes sense <laughs> no 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 i didn't say the writing made sense i just want to make sure it's i guess accurate <laughs> Or at least it's going to be accurate when I start editing it yeah. because I've read a whole bunch of research material this month. So, yeah. but we won't be we won't be adding much of this research into this draft because I want to make sure the story is there. Yeah, yeah. That's for later. You. That's a future. It's for you later. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm Amy Avery. I write adult fantasy. I also self-publish fantasy romance under the pen name Avery Ames. Um, what I am working on, well, actually, we'll do what I'm reading first because it's easier. Um, I am reading A River Enchanted by Rebecca Ross, and it's very good. It's, it's kind of, it's not technically Scottish, but it's Scottish in vibes and style. It's like second. <laughs> Scottish adjacent. <laughs> yeah, it's second world, but it's kind of got those vibes. It's about a character who's like a bard who has, who is summoned back to his like original home island where like all the fey and the wild creatures are because only bards can enchant them and so he's summoned back to help take care of a crisis there even though he doesn't want to go home and it's just it's very good the writing is beautiful so i really like it a lot so if you like rebecca ross read my book (laughs) what i'm working on is related to the read my book which is I am kind of doing a gentle nano to kind of get back into the habit of writing a little bit, but I am also mostly just trying to keep my head on straight as we lead up to my book's release. And I checked the timer today and it was 69 days and I went, nice. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Because we're adults. We're we're five. But yeah, it's it's coming up and we're doing... uh, I'm in that spot where it's like... You can't do anything other than just say, hey, here's my book. Please read it. You can't like fix it. You can't change it. You just have to like (laughs) hope people get it and hope people like it. So for those who are watching the live stream, I have a visual aid. By the way, here is my book. It's called The Longest Autumn. Please buy it. Oh, my God. It comes out in January. Please read my book. I promise it's good. (laughs) I hope it's good. I bought my ARC on eBay. (laughs) Top secret. But yeah, so that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm reading. Today, we're going to be looking at through lines and themes, which are two different things, but they do tend to work together. So that's why we're kind of talking about them in the same episode. Ah, and this is our usual reminder that writing is not all about rules. When we are writing, we sometimes need to break them as well. We're both firm believers that if the rules feel too suffocating or overwhelming, ignore them and just write. Welcome! Yay! So we always have a paired drink. Uh, This one's pretty simple because the theme is the core of your story. Uh, I went with an apple theme. So I got an apple cider. 
It is, uh, I really just went to the liquor store and bought a random apple cider that I hadn't had before. It's Ace Cider brand Joker dry apple cider because I like mine drier than sweeter. So I've not tried it yet Mm. and we're going to see if it's any good. Oh, I just grabbed the only cider we had in the fridge, which was a classic Blake's hard cider, but it is caramel apple and it's quite tasty. It's a little dry. It's a little dry, but it's good. It's, uh, it's nice. I would drink it again. There this is some it. good shit. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get more of this. I happen. I I I think I like ciders more than I like literally any other drink in a can. I I think it's probably the best option for me as far as cans go. Yeah, this one is. It's not super sweet, which, like I said, is my thing. I don't want them to be too sugary, and so this is very nice and tart. And I'm gonna get more of this at some point in the future. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's a drink. So. I guess the first thing to talk about with through lines and themes is, I guess, just to define what each one is. And then I kind of have in our schedule here to talk about maybe through lines first and then themes, if that works for you. Oh, uh, sure. You're, I, I can't <laughs> wait for you to, to, to define these things because I'm not sure I know what they are. <laughs> okay, You do. You just don't know the actual terms. Uh, That's pretty much what I was yeah. guessing. So I was like, ah, the moment she uh, tells me what it is, I'll be like, ah, yes, I know about that. Yeah. So a through line is your central conflict or your central problem. So it's like the thing, the goal that your heroes have that kind of repeats throughout the story. That's like the big overarching goal. So it's just the central problem that they're always trying to solve. It can work together with the theme. They should tie back and forth into each other. And most of your smaller conflicts should tie into, in some way, this bigger conflict, even if it's kind of tangentially Mm. So examples I have here are from A Song of Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones. The the through line is everybody fighting over the Iron Throne. It's who's going to get the throne. Yes. And everything ties into that. And I wanted to pick an example that wasn't sci-fi fantasy because we always go to that well because that's that's the well <laughs> I know best. That's the one we know. Um, but I did pick Yellow Face, which is a fairly recent pretty big hit, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's about an author who steals her friend, her dead friend's manuscript, and, and her dead friend is an Asian author, and she pretends to be an Asian author to publish it. Um, it's, Whoa! It's by R.F. Kuang, <laughs> Rebecca Kuang, who wrote Poppy War. Okay. Um, and the the through line is the main character trying to take further and further stretches to hide this secret and to maintain her like status as a bestseller. So themes, by comparison, are the, they're the core of your story that is the thing that people take away from your story. So when people say, what's the story about, you can say Game of Thrones is about a bunch of people fighting for a throne. But what it's, the the message of it is something like greed and lust for power causes destruction and suffering. So Mm -hmm. that's the theme is it's like, what you want people to absorb and like the life lesson you want them to take from the book. So that's why they kind of work together because your conflict should exemplify your theme and your theme should like be brought out of the conflict. Like in yellow face, the theme is, is kind of lampooning publishing and pointing out inequalities in publishing. Sounds amazing. (laughs) All of, all of the themes of my book are, I have daddy problems and it sucks or it sucks to have daddy problems. It sucks to be sick and have daddy problems. Sorry. 
It's true, though. (laughs) That can be a theme. Um, So, yeah. So we're going to kind of talk about, like I said, I kind of had through lines first and we'll kind of go into those in a little more detail and then we'll go into themes because I think themes is going to be a little more complicated because it is a little vaguer i'm making a lot of hand motions i'm sorry i am on so much caffeine right now because of nobody knows but us and the people in here it's okay (laughs) it means you're excited it it means i've i've had a lot of mountain dew and coffee today so the why do you want a through line why do you want this like central conflict that guides everything i would think you'd want it so that your book doesn't take a whole bunch of left turns for no reason yep that's really why. I mean, that's my guess. Am I right, Bob? You are right, Bob. Wait, no, I'm Bob. God, you're not Bob. Yes, you're Bob. We're both Bob. You're right, Darren. <laughs> Darren, Bob. Bob, Darren. Darren, Bob. <laughs> yes. But yes, Gosh. that's why. Because if you don't have like this central conflict that they keep circling back to, and you can take like side plots, like those are your like, like, for example, in a video game. You've got your like main quest and then you've got your like side quests. And if you play Skyrim, you just never defeat the dragon and you just play side quests for 70 hours if you're me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But you don't want that in a book. Yeah. and But I do feel like sometimes some books do get published with this happening. And then they when do. I read those books, I tend to get very bored because mm-hmm. I feel like nothing's happening or progressing because everything that's happening isn't related to the like the the that through line and Mm -hmm. it kind of i don't know it just takes me out of the book and like i can you know i can handle it a bit everybody can everybody likes a good random thought thrown into a book but like sometimes it's just like oh Mm -hmm. and you can meander if there is a through line because one of the classic examples of this is the hobbit the hobbit is like a lot of like okay and then we did this and then we did this and then we you know and then we had the trolls and then we did that but walking to the mountain they've got a goal so So, yeah all of those like little tangents are in service of that main goal so it doesn't feel like you get lost and one of the other problems you run into if you don't have a through line is it's very common this is especially if you're pantsing a novel which is fine you just fix it later because i'm running into this right now um, <laughs> you run into a problem and then you solve it and then you run into another problem and you solve it and none of them overlap and so it starts to feel disjointed because there's nothing tying it all together whereas if you have this through line you've got like these side plots and hopefully you're like leapfrogging them so you're not like problem solve problem solve problem solve yeah i feel like in adventure novels this happens a lot mm-hmm. and like because, you know, they're they're on like I whether it's some people lost in the snow trying to get out of the mountains or if it's people traveling across the U.S. in the 1800s. Like, I feel like in general, it's always this what gets in the way. And mm-hmm. the thing that makes those kind of stories like really exciting is the fact that it all all the shit happens at once. And they're all <laughs> sort of in, intertwined by the fact that they're all happening at once and they're making everything else worse. And the dysentery gets worse as you eat less, <laughs> as you, oh, suddenly I'm talking about Oregon Trail. That's nice. Yeah, I was just like, have you died of dysentery? <laughs> Speaking of side quests, that's what I used to do in Oregon Trail because they would let us play it in the computer lab at school. And you'd only have like 20 minutes in the computer lab. So there's no way you're beating Oregon Trail in 20 minutes. So I would just go like hunt 
for 20 minutes and see how many pounds of meat I could get. <laughs> it's a great, simple example yeah. of it, you know, though, because that game is endlessly fascinating. It is so simple. Uh, mm-hmm. But but all of the problems, you know, they lead you toward the end. And mm-hmm. I guess in, you know, that's basically what all this is about. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think video games are a very good example because there is always a final boss of some sort. And for yep. Oregon Trail, the final boss is just reaching Oregon. But there is a final like this is what will end the game goal. And so everything you do leading up to that is still, you have that goal in your head. Exactly. Video games, it can be a problem when there's supposed to be a timed goal, but you have unlimited side quests. (laughs) Like World of Warcraft, which I'm hopelessly addicted to. Thanks, video games. I was thinking, there's not a specific time, but I was thinking of Dragon Age, specifically Inquisition, where it's like, hey, the world's going to end. This guy, this guy's going to try to cut. This guy's going to do bad things. And you're just like, I'm going to go mine for some rocks. <laughs> just give me a minute. I'm going to go hunt some some wyverns. Don't mind me. <laughs> my my favorite thing, you know, uh, Skyrim. Someone gives you mm-hmm. a really great quest, and you're like, actually, I'm going to go try to figure out how to steal this wine glass from 500 miles away. So <laughs> bye. <laughs> My favorite Skyrim quest is the one where somebody asks you to like for just to like share a drink and then you wake up drunk and have to figure out what happened the night before. And it turns out he was a Daedric (laughs) Prince. It was great. Amazing. But it was one of those random like, I guess I'm on this quest now. (laughs) But ostensibly, all of that is to help you level up and gather the things for the final quest, which you've been avoiding the whole time. A lot of you and me are not ever (laughs) going to do. Exactly, because you don't want the game to end. But a book yeah. needs to end so you can read another book. Yeah. And also feel like you finished a book, because like, that's a great feeling. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's your through line. It's just what are they working towards? What is the goal? And just make sure everything goes into that goal. So the reason we kind of needed that baseline was because your theme is going to like be bolstered by that through line and in many ways kind of be determined by the through line. But for example, for me, when I read a book and people ask me three weeks later, what was it about? I'll be like, okay, here's the premise, like the same thing you would have read on the back of the book. And then I don't remember any other details, but I can tell you how I felt and I can tell you what I took away from it. (laughs) So I took away like, oh, it doesn't matter that, you know, for example, we're going to use Longest Autumn because that's the book that's in my head right now. So and it's a nice little advertisement (laughs) hell yeah it is ostensibly the book is about the god of autumn and his herald who escorts him through through the portal through the magic mirror portal into the human world every year so that autumn can happen and then back into the god's realm so winter can come and the mirror breaks now they have to solve the mystery and figure out who fixed the mirror or who broke the mirror fix it and she has to clear her name because people think she did it but what the book is about is the fact that she has trained her whole life to have this very prestigious job that is has a lot of like attache in society and it's just like the thing that she was always going to do and now she can't do it and now people think she stopped it on purpose and she is a former gifted kid and her life has fallen apart she had all these plans <laughs> And they've fallen apart. What does she do? And how do you react? And how do you deal with what happens in that situation? Totally not projecting here. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the theme. The theme is what happens when all of your carefully laid plans 
have fallen apart and how do you deal with those and what messages and like life lessons do you take away from that so yeah what the book is quote unquote about and what the book is really about are the difference between the synopsis and the theme yes and i'm excited for the next part because i feel like a theme is like the whole reason i write i think uh-huh. it's the whole reason you know because otherwise i don't think i'd do it now now that i like i'm thinking about it and i'm like yeah that's the whole reason i write isn't it oh wow i'm obsessed with themes <laughs> i think it's the whole reason most of us write is because you have something you want to get off your chest or share okay it's the reason a lot of writers write even if you don't know it <laughs> so, yeah some people write i think though to just to spend time with the characters they they've created too like you know i do think that happens i but i know that i get like really like sold on this oh my god this like i don't know profound idea and i want to just explore it and i'm like whose life do i ruin to do this and that's how my (laughs) characters happen i think this is going to be an interesting next part of our conversation then because i think we both attack this process differently Oh, I think we absolutely do. I think we absolutely do. Because I feel like, am I wrong? I feel like, I think that you typically know the theme that you want, but you typically get more hooked on your your plot. I I don't know my theme when I start. I start on like a, what if this? And then like a third of the way through drafting, I'm like, Oh, this is what I'm trying to say. Whereas I think you start off with what you're trying to say. I do start with the what if question. But Mm -hmm. if I can't find a theme that goes with the what if question, I instantly abandon it because it doesn't interest me. Mm -hmm. Because I could be like, you know, what if, you know, what if cats existed in a world that was perfect and they never knew about death? And, And I'm like, okay, that's great and everything. But what does it like, what does it do for me? Like, and then I like start to like, you know, <laughs> dive into the themes. And I think that's because I, you know, I've been through a lot of crap in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that I really like latching on to the end because I feel like the end of the book is where you sort of see the theme flourish and mm-hmm. and and get what it deserves. Yeah. And that's the moment I like the most. So like if I can't think of a good end that's tied to a good theme, I think I just typically abandon like right there (laughs) (laughs) you know i do tend to feel mine out halfway through because i get stuck on the like this is a cool idea and here's the cool characters and i'm just gonna put them in this world with this idea and then i'm just gonna like see what happens and so i do kind of pants like the first part of the book and then i kind of take pause and go okay now i'm starting to get a feel of these people and it for me it it comes out of their issues, (laughs) their wounds. How do they deal with those wounds? And that's like my message is ways that people deal with these wounds. Yep. Characters getting over trauma. I think that's like pretty much my, my byline. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I feel like yours is like characters getting over either themselves or others. Mm -hmm. it's interesting you know yeah for me it's a lot of characters learning to accept themselves yeah which you know now that i know i'm neurodivergent makes a lot more sense (laughs) (laughs) you are projecting Mm -hmm. sweetheart (laughs) yeah so i guess like you said you you kind of go in and 
you come up with a theme pretty early. So when you create your kind of outline, your storyline, do you think about the theme or does that come naturally like as you're building the story? Honestly, I think like for me, it's I'll start with a theme and I think actually that I get bored uh, really easily in the third, the first and second draft. If the mm. theme doesn't change, mm. I think that I, I keep a theme there to have me working forward. Like, you know, I, I want to use the current book as an example, but I don't think I want to give any spoilers. So mm. I'm like. So when I first started my last book with the cats that I, I just kind of referenced a second ago, like when I first started that book, the theme was basically like monarchy makes things um, difficult and unfair. And there's some other things. And then it like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm writing a monarch book, like, or a monarch patriarch book. There is, there is a king and a queen here. And it just like, I challenged that as I wrote it and it, mm -hmm. and it made it grow into um, a, you know, utopias are bad sort of thing or utopias can't work or, you know, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden the utopias can't work thing. I was like, okay, but how do I challenge that? And then it, and then it became more about this tree and like this character accepting the fact that this father was dying. Because when I first like started the book, the character didn't even have a dad. Mm-hmm. And I think I get really bored because I think that the first theme you come up with, at least for me, the first theme I, theme I come up with is typically like, it's good, but it's not like, it's not there yet. And then like these more, these, these better ones sort of pop up and then they, they kind of mm -hmm. become like background secondary themes. Like, yeah, we can take that from this book, but really the big one is this. And uh, mm -hmm. I think that if I find that my theme isn't challenged, <laughs> I typically <laughs> give up on the book because I, I challenge myself way too hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I like I like it to can I like it to continue to surprise me, and I think that's why my theme mm -hmm. often changes. So I never stick to it. Um, mm -hmm. And then I do think I build my outline around the first one, and then I realize that my outline is kind of it, it's good, but it's lacking in places. And when I start adding on in other places, I'm like, oh, there you are. You're bigger. <laughs> You're better than this. This this storyline here. I like this one better. And I'll actually switch tracks, and I'll I'll mm -hmm. I'll make that my big my big boy. You know. Mm -hmm. I think you actually touched on something that isn't really in the outline, but I do want to talk about, which is you talked about the theme of like utopias don't work, and then the theme going more internal and more into your character and what they were dealing with. And I think we kind of mentioned that you can't have more than one theme. Mm -hmm. And I think having like an internal and an external theme can be really compelling. So a theme like what does capitalism do to society, for example, we'll, we'll use like Hunger Games. Hunger Games has, you know, capitalism is a big theme. But then another theme is like Katniss and her devotion to her family and her friends and how far yeah. is she willing to go to to preserve those and getting caught up in they they play together. She gets caught up in the bigger cause. So you can have multiple themes and they can play together. And I think having one that's like a bigger external world, this is my thoughts about the world. <laughs> and then one that's internal, it's like, here's the thoughts about my character dealing with their trauma and how they deal with said thing about the world um, can play really, really well together if you want to have more than one. Yeah. And I I guess like it's, it's interesting because like I feel like 
a lot of my themes are based on like they're they're very high high statements at first or like mm-hmm. yeah you can't do this or yeah you can't do that or this is really hard or they're like they're kind of almost political statements in mm-hmm. a way um and then slowly i start to like punch my um political side in the in the gut and i'm like no shut up we're gonna <laughs> go deeper here instead of wider and we're gonna we're gonna change the scope of this and make it internal and i think that's you know where it starts to touch me because that's when those characters start teaching me things and if they're teaching me things they're going to teach my reader things and that's what i really like um because if my te- if my characters aren't teaching me things and they're just living in a world that's obviously it's bad yeah obviously it's fucking bad <laughs> like sh- no one wants to live in a utopia no one wants to live in a dystopia duh like it, it becomes <laughs> it becomes instead of like a, a duh answer it's it's very it they start teaching me things. And that's when I know it's going the right direction. You know, I was making a lot of faces while you're talking, because that's literally what I was doing today that I was talking <laughs> to you in our group chat, which was, I had come up with these themes that were, you know, world level, like, what is it to, you know, what do you do with like a dystopian kingdom that's falling apart? And how far do you mm-hmm. go to like, bring it back from the brink? And then today I was just like, Oh, but I need internal things for my character to care about. And- yeah. So today I'm like literally today I started making that transition from like the world themes into the character themes. And I'm sure once again they'll both kind of be present, but I I'm, I'm with you I tend to like move more into those internal ones. Um Yeah. Yeah, and they're going to grow so much. But I yeah. feel like, you know, and I'm sometimes envious of you because I I do feel like you tend to figure out your theme what it's going to be in the final draft and your first draft. Like and I I I really struggle with with that because then I have to get through three more drafts without my theme changing and that's just horrific to me but yeah that would make my life so much easier if I could just like stick to one thing but I do find it really uh really interesting that you you really stick with yours uh because as I recall like autumn it always had that theme like it always mm-hmm. had the theme that that it has at the now at the very end and it mm-hmm. I wish I could do that. <laughs> so like those of you out there who can't do it the first time I'm there with you, like everybody's different, you know, cause I, sir, I can't like, I, I, I gotta, I gotta, I do so much exploration mm-hmm. and I have to tear my book up a thousand times before I'm happy, but yeah, it all works. <laughs> so you did touch on, you know, for people out there who are thinking about like, you know, if they do know, don't know their theme. So I do kind of want to go into like, let's say we have a listener right now. Who's like, I don't know what my theme is. Do I have a theme? What is my theme? Is my, is there a theme in my book at all? So I was going to kind of go over like what things to think about if you're trying to find your book's theme, because chances are, even if you don't think you have one, you do. You just it's subconscious. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question I've been asking myself as we sit here is just like, what what lesson am I being taught what lesson is my protagonist being taught and what Mm -hmm. did they learn? Cause at the end of the day, that, that biggest arc from your protagonist or, you know, whoever's got the most lines in your script, for instance, (laughs) that's, that's going to be very, very uh, correlated. I feel like with, with a theme. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Cause it's what, what does your protagonist want the most in the world? Why do they want it? Do they get it? And is it really what they need? Yes. And then that'll kind of give you your theme. Also, kind of a couple things to think about are 
like why you're writing the book. And sometimes it's just like, I had a cool idea. I thought it would be cool if dragons shot lasers out of their eyes and like fought in a giant chessboard. So that can be like the initial reason you're writing the book. But chances are partway through writing it, you're going to go, no, like you said, here's the message I kind of want to like, how, here's where I want to connect with people. Here's where yeah. I, who's here's who I want to feel seen by this book. I think I know that the people who are going to have the most, at least I think the people who are going to have the most trouble with this one are the people who are writing mysteries because on the outside, it seems like a mystery novel is mm -hmm. just that it is just a story that you, that you want your readers to try to figure out who the perpetrator is. So how do we figure out, you know, what the theme is of our mystery novel, for mm -hmm. instance, I think, you know? it, I think genre does play into it. Um, especially if it's a, if it's more of a, for example, a cozy mystery, if it's more of a thriller, there do tend to be themes. If it's more of like a thriller type mystery, like, like a gone girl, for example, um, there it, it's pretty, it's clearer what the themes are than if you're writing like an Agatha Christie. Yeah. But a lot of times the theme of a cozy mystery is here's why people are bad. <laughs> like for example, <laughs> not everybody's read every Agatha Christie. So I'm going to use a similar example that may be more common, which is the two knives out movies which both are cozy mysteries at their core and both have very clear things to say about wealth, about privilege, about in the first one, uh, racism and classism. And those are the themes is it's rich people suck. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like mysteries are like almost like uh, portraits of certain types of classes or certain mm -hmm. types of people. Cause like you get pictures of the poor, the wealthy, the, mm -hmm. you get, pictures of all these different people i always find them very insightful mm -hmm. but i think another theme is what humans are capable of uh-huh and 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 if you're writing a good mystery you've done a lot of research and you have a lot of information to back up what humans are capable of and that mm -hmm. that humanity that strain of humanity becomes almost your theme mm -hmm. almost an exploration a portrait of that Mm -hmm. particular thought it's really interesting yeah why the person did the crime and yeah. why all of these suspects would have had a reason to do the crime can all play into a theme whatever that theme could be yes yeah and the other thing is just like try to think of who you want to read and enjoy your book so if your book is for a specific demographic for a person who's had a specific life experience that can help you find your theme too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what kind of like horror, like horror stories mm -hmm. can do. Um, like just looking at a life experience, looking at like, I, you know, I think about those uh, movies where, you know, they, it's always this family that moves into a haunted house right after they needed to move out of their older house. And you've, and it's almost like the grass is always greener. You find out something about where those people came from or divorce is hard or like it, it's, it's more difficult to find, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Horror is very often allegory. Yes. So there's usually yes. a theme in there somewhere. Yeah. The, even if you think your your book is like a really like straightforward genre, there is probably theme. Romance has themes. A lot of times it's about that one's also about like internal. It's usually very internal themes getting over hangups, learning to accept yourself, learning to accept another person. Um, so more lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. book is going to have some sort of theme if it is even remotely effective, whether it's 
clear at first or not. Ooh, talking about whether it's clear. Don't I want to talk about making themes too blatant and too <laughs> like prescriptive. I am curious to hear about this. <laughs> you don't want there are times where I'll read a book and I don't have any specific ones in mind, so I'm not going to call anybody out right now. But like you'll read a book and you're like, I get it. You know, mm -hmm. for example, like capitalism is is harmful to various societies in these ways. And there's times where I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, but please stop beating me over the head with it. Yeah. So there's a point yep. where the theme can be too like, this is my theme, this is my theme, this is my theme, this is my theme. Did you see the theme? Do you see the theme? I did the theme. Are you looking at the theme? Uh, you know, I got I, I got to say, like, as somebody who is in, you know, the trans community, transgender community, there is a lot. I, I hate that there's a lot of books with the very theme of transgender is OK, just being smashed mm -hmm. in my face. Like, no, guys, please stop. Like, actually write something that's like meaningful that I don't already know. <laughs> Like, yeah, it is. It's very it makes me very volatile. I put those books down very fast and I always hate it, too, because, you know, it's always the it's always the transgender authors that I really, really want to support. And like sometimes they'll just beat me over the head with it. It's like, I know, I know. But can you like teach me something else? Like and I mm -hmm. really appreciate it. You know, it's like it's very like, yes, thank God there's support out there. Thank God this is getting into the average person's hand because they might not get it. Um, But also like. In any situation, whether it's trans or political or, you know, for anything, anything under the umbrella of anything, it's you want it to be in everybody's hands. You want everybody to learn more, but you also don't want to limit the perspective um, because mm -hmm. you might close the people that don't know a lot about it out or like close the people who don't support it out. And then you don't get their their love for your characters because you're too busy beating them over the head with it. What we want mm -hmm. is for you to manipulate a reader that doesn't like <laughs> transgender people into liking transgender people, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, um, and you don't, you don't do that by screaming at a person, mm -hmm. which I think in any subject material we could, there are some people in this world that could definitely do better at, because I, I would like to have my mind changed about some things like way outside of my, my sphere. Mm -hmm. And nobody ever writes well enough about it to change my mind. And I sure would like them to, you know, you know. <laughs> well, one of the ways I think that this particular execution of theme can be most harmful and most abrasive in a lot of ways is the the white savior trope. Oh, yikes, I can, big oh yikes. yeah, it's so bad. And I can't believe that people still do it, honestly. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of the same thing you're talking about with the trans community and the trans like books about trans rights is this just like, hey, did you know they're people? And I'm like, yes, everybody's people. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. You, that's step one. We did. Did we need to go back to step one? <laughs> Sadly, sometimes we do kind of need to go back to step one. And that's that's a whole commentary on society. But anyway, yeah, but you know, for like there, were, there was like one book I, I, I started reading because I really wanted to get a um like a glimpse into like a wealthy um household. Uh, and I started like reading it. And uh, it, again, it was just beating. It was I, I felt like I was getting beat over the head. Like, yeah, even though you have money, it's okay. You can still be nice. And like, see, nice people can have money too. See, we can, we can have, we, we can have money and be nice. See, see. And I was just like, I am going to flip a table, <laughs> burn this book. I'm going to Fahrenheit 451 this shit. Like, <laughs> like I was mad. So like, 
yeah, you can definitely overdo the theme. Mm-hmm. Like, just let let the reader decide what the theme is. Because honestly, mm-hmm. like, for them, it might be completely different. I, I have yeah. seen so many, like, reviews, authors read reviews, and they're like, huh, well, it's fun that you thought that that was a theme of my book. I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. I just wrote the... I just wrote the book and yeah. I'm so glad that you found this nugget of wisdom in there that I didn't even <laughs> intend. Uh, there, I, I see that so often and I, I love that. You know, I think mm-hmm. the reader should decide. And when you're writing it, you kind of decide what the theme is to you. And I, I think that's really important. And to have mm-hmm. more than one show up, I, that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Good for you. The idea is to like know what your theme is, but don't feel like you have to make sure the reader understands it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what it is. You've left some clues. If they put those clues together, then great. And if they don't, then that's fine. But you don't want to be like, here's what the clues led to. <laughs> Just so you know, here's the, here's the message you were supposed to take away from this book. I hope you got it. Treat your readers as if they're as smart as you are. That's like some of the best uh, information like that's the best tip I've ever been given because I used to do a lot of like spoon feeding you know and it got me uh, my, it, it made my writing very dull and I didn't get over it until I read in multiple places treat your reader as smart as you um, mm-hmm. because if they're if if they whether or not they're in I, I don't want to say if they're not as intelligent as you but they're probably everybody is equally intelligent in their own way right so mm-hmm. it's even if they know the same stuff you know, or even if they don't know the same stuff you know, like you have just got to assume they can figure it out because they are human. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not, uh, they're not incapable. They're picking up your book off the shelf. Uh, they understood the back cover. They, you know, or they, they signed up to beta read with you. Like it is up to them to figure it out. And if they can't, they'll let you know in their edit notes or their yes. reviews and you can take it or leave it. <laughs> But don't spoon yeah. feed them. Yeah. Don't That's the word them. I was looking for was spoon feeding yep. earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to spoon feed it. So so there's kind of a couple ways to once you kind of know what your theme is. And if you're like halfway through the like book, ways to kind of convey that theme to like bring that theme into the book without being hitting people over the head with it without spoon feeding them. And one of the big ways I do it, and because we talked about these internal themes, is character arcs. What does your character learn? What do they grow? How do they grow? And what do they accept both about themselves, about the world? What do they learn? And then, like, your reader can kind of pick up some things from what they have learned that your reader may also learn. Yes. I was typing an idea. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Oh, I want to make sure we talk about it. So, but yeah, character arcs is one way. Are there any other ways that you like kind of try to like underline that theme or emphasize that theme? Well, I can't say that my ideas are good ideas because (laughs) I've been known to have my characters have a lot of internalizing and stuff, uh, which some people just hate. And some people love, like me. (laughs) I really just like having one, like, one character who's kind of subtle, which is usually my protagonist, and one character who's a bit fucking extra <laughs> to sort of navigate a theme because I think that two characters that don't get along and one subject specifically um, to a irrational degree <laughs> is um, 
very good like right now in my book like like this the central um conflict now is that there is a character who is allergic to this bug that there are many many of and one character who is not allergic to this these bugs and the one character who's not allergic to them has to kind of take care of the per- person who is but that person who is allergic to those bugs also keeps this character in the space and the character can't figure out why and this character is like unrealistically annoyed with these bugs that he has this <laughs> terribly severe reaction to um and it just like like the amount of lessons that my character learns just from caretaking you know Mm -hmm. like it's a lot of it is in either caretaking or just like one character like having to cope with another in a situation where they cannot get away from coping with them Mm -hmm. and it just sort of draws i love i love doing that like when i think about all of my books it's typically because of a i have to cope with a character who is insanely messed up in one spot (laughs) you know like (laughs) You know, my previous book that I wrote, it was a character dealing with a father who had uh, Alzheimer's. You know, it was just extremes. I use extremes. I really love mm-hmm. writing extremes. They're, and you may think they're unrealistic extreme, like, extremes because they look unrealistic. But actually, like I've lived through these extremes. Like there are people out there mm-hmm. like this. And it's really fun because I've seen that and experienced that. And I like to use my experiences to sort of narrate to a reader who maybe doesn't know what it's like to be near a person that, you know, messed up in one space. (laughs) Is that a good answer to that question? Probably not. Yes. I had, I was just pausing for a second because I had a thought while you were talking and then it just disappeared. Don't you see? And that's why I typed mine out. Gone now. (laughs) Damn it. What was it? I'm so sorry. Oh yeah. It wasn't that good. So never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, fine. (laughs) It was just when you were talking about characters who have to learn things from each other and having a subtle character and an extreme character. uh, The first thing that came to mind was at one point in time, one of my friends and I had like a discussion. It was like a bracket type discussion, like a tournament bracket, trying to figure out who the most extra character of all time was. And number one was Lestat, the vampire Lestat. He is extra was our agreement and number two was howl the wizard howl from howl's moving castle yeah he's pretty extreme and i was thinking about sophie and howl and i was trying to figure out what the theme of howl's moving castle is and i think it's about accepting yourself and accepting that somebody else can accept you as you are and now i'm like that's why i love that book (laughs) yes Yes, because it's it goes both directions because both <laughs> yeah. those characters accepted each other, which mm-hmm. it's a huge story about acceptance. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, having a subtle character and an extreme character do that really makes mm-hmm. for a very good story. Mine is quite the opposite. <laughs> you know, mine and mine is like my character finally decide. You know, my, it's in the end like you don't have to deal with everybody. You can fuck that person. That's fine. You can that person That's can true. go fuck themselves. It's it's learning who is worth dealing with and who isn't. You know, so yeah, you can go both ways with those sort of things. I was looking to see if we had any additional thoughts. I'm kind of looking at books on my shelf. I have a note that I wrote okay. down when you were talking, uh, the yes. thing I typed. Uh, so I was curious on your thoughts about each book of a series having a theme on its oh. own and a bigger theme through and through the whole series. Because, you know, when I think of like the Hunger Games, the, the whole series has a theme. But I also feel like each individual book has one. 
because I think it's a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's um, coming of age kind of like the, the protagonist yeah. does get older each book. And I think the theme changes as she learns lessons. Um, I couldn't, I'm, I was trying to think of Game of Thrones. I've only read two and a half Game of Thrones. It, but you know, they did the seasons yeah. kind of based on each book. So like, I'm trying to think of like, you know, I feel like one is uh, like the second one is very much redemption. First one, you know, power is not always always your friend. I'm like thinking and, and it's very difficult, you know. Remember that thing I talked about how I could like tell you how a book made me feel, but I can't tell you the plot. Uh, yeah. That's my problem with Game of Thrones, because I read it most of the way through the one that most people dropped off in. I think it was A Feast for Crows, I think is the last one that I read. Okay. Um, And I got like halfway through and was like. and i never watched the show so i can't tell you like break it down by book but i was thinking about hunger games because the first one is about it starts off with her it's about her learning to almost like care about other people (laughs) in a way um because she starts off being in survival mode it's like i only care about my family I'm taking care of my family. That's why I'm doing this. And then she starts to like see the bigger picture and she starts to care about PETA. And it becomes about her like learning that she can like take care. It's about her like kind of coming into a caretaker role of other people. Meanwhile, like we're building up to this big plot of the Capitol and the revolution and all that stuff. And then I'm trying to remember which where the middle book ends and where the second book or where the third book starts. Oh, I can't help you. I've not ever read it. It's oh, I've I've read it and I watched the movies. I cosplayed Effie at Dragon Con, but yeah, I think you're right. I think I think in a lot of series, especially trilogies, especially YA trilogies, since we're thinking about the Hunger Games, because the YA genre is very much about personal growth journey, mm-hmm. about a character like coming into their own. A lot of times the overarching plot of the three books is the external big bad, whatever the big bad is trying to say about society or whatever, you know, capitalism, imperialism, whatever, power corrupts, what have you. And the each book arc is usually the internal arc of the character learning something about themselves or about the world or about how they navigate the world. As they come of age, yep. It's them basically developing developing their adult personality which is Mm -hmm. wow looking at that from this perspective is pretty cool because i never thought about that yeah you know here's a profound thought for you like young Mm -hmm. adult books are about like like they they are characters learning what to hold on to and adult books are characters learning to let go of certain things (laughs) (laughs) that is kind of true yeah isn't it because as adults we become embittered and weary (laughs) start being dickheads and kids are like everything's great and i love the world oh shit everything's awful yeah no that's that's the truth isn't it that that's it (laughs) is there anything else you have we're a little bit early i don't know and chat's pretty quiet i guess we've uh just done really awesome you know i just this is just our job well done our pat on the back like this is what we can take it (laughs) we just did great talked about everything I think we talked this one into the fucking ground. We did. Yeah. But we did. It was it was a good talk. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Uh, well, our next live stream will be November 21st on character foils and mirrors. And you can find everything you need at anditswriting.com. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, we should be there. 
Uh, you can also follow us on Blue Sky and Instagram at and it's writing for episode updates and notifications. If you like what you're hearing, join our Discord group. Uh, visit our website for details. Um, we'd also love, love it if you left us a rating wherever you are listening. And thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again soon. Bye. Bye.